0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today, my beloved, is the fourth Sunday of the blessed month of Ba'una. And the church reads for us the part of the Sermon on the Mountain in which the Lord tells us to love our enemies. He says, I say to you who hear, love your enemies. This is similar to a verse that St. Paul said as well in Romans chapter 12. He said, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It seems today, uh, in the modern time, there is a rise in aggression, a rise in hate, and a rise in hostility. People seem to be very angry and upset and very almost violent with expressing this anger. You'll find this on the road, with road rage, You'll find this with um, two people disagree with one another. They they usually fight with each other and they can't uh, agree to disagree. You'll find there's uh, if somebody does something that somebody disapproves, then there's like the social defamation where they make them look bad on social media. They write bad about them and comment and all of these things. All again in anger and hostility and wrath. There's also verbal aggression where people curse at one another. And you know, um, the the fact that people use social media to communicate with one another um, reduces the the risk of saying bad and harmful things. So somebody, for example, is going to curse somebody. It's very easy to send something like this over a text message or over some kind of social media post because they're not in front of them. There's no repercussion. But somebody would never say this in front of somebody because this could start some kind of altercation. Right, So we're usually much more reserved when we communicate in person. But the fact that many people communicate online, this also isn't good because people express themselves very aggressively and hostily and it's uh, it's not a good thing. So how do we respond as Christians to those who hate us and those who are hostile towards us? Uh, in today's reading, as I said, it comes from the Sermon on the Mountain. And the Sermon on the Mountain was actually directed towards the, uh, the disciples. Right, So the people who already believed in Christ and who are following Him. So um, this is something that us as children of God are something we try to strive for. Maybe it's not the first thing we would tell a convert or first thing we would tell somebody who doesn't know Christ. right? But it's something that we as Christians ought to practice. So before I speak about rising above hostility and aggression, let me just say there's a couple of disclaimers And before I begin my couple of points. Number one is don't misunderstand what I'm about to say to, uh, because I don't mean that we should not, we should allow people to, uh, take advantage of us. What I'm about to say, please keep in mind, I don't mean for us to be just simple like puppets and people can take advantage of us. That's not what I'm, what I'm going to say. That's not what I mean. Because when we allow people to just take advantage of us, and, and it then it enables them to be, you know, to have this bad behavior, right? So we don't want to enable anybody that might harm them in the future, right? So this is not what I mean when I'm going to say what I'm going to say. But just keep this in mind. Number two is um, I don't mean what I'm about to say. I don't mean that there's no place for justice because there is a place for justice, right? Because if there was no justice, then there would be chaos. And people will do whatever they want to whenever they want to. So, don't misunderstand Rumba to say. The second point about before I begin is, if somebody hates us or is hostile towards us, we need to be honest with ourselves and question ourselves. Okay, what is the reason for their hostility towards us and is it really warranted and founded? Because sometimes immediately when somebody accuses us of something, we take the defensive and we say, they have no right to be angry with me. I did nothing wrong. We just immediately become defensive. So what I'm about to say, I'm going to say, having assumed that we took this time to look at ourselves and say, you know what, what did I really do? Did I have a part in this? Are they justified in their anger uh, and being hostile towards me? Did I do anything wrong? Right? And once I've, if you come to the conclusion that yes, I did something wrong, then this is about when you go and ask for forgiveness and reconcile, right? So all of these things keep in mind before what I'm about to say because I don't want anybody any uh, to misunderstand. <clears throat> the customary way for humans and for us to uh, measure one another is usually by justice. We measure one another by how fair a person is. You very common to hear kids say of their parents, oh, dad is not fair. Oh, mom is not fair. My co-worker is not fair. My boss is not fair. So we usually, what's customary is to measure one another based on justice. What's fair and what's not fair. The Lord today, He wants to spark within us an inner revolutionary transition. He wants to have this transition of rather than measuring one another by justice, He wants us to measure one another by grace, by grace. And He wants His disciples to understand that there should be no hostility or insult that should allow them to turn from their determination to do good. He wants them to do good regardless of what the other person's reaction are or how hostile they are. He wants us to be perfect just as He is perfect. And He wants us to be good just as He is good. And He wants us to be loving just as He was loving, this unconditional love. So then how do we respond to the unwarranted hostility and insults towards us? Number one, we read in the Pauline epistle from today, from Colossians, St. Paul's letter to the Colossians chapter four. He says in verse five and six, walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. Those who are outside are the non believers. So he says, Walk with wisdom or walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer one another. So the first point is, we can deal with this hostility by letting our speech be seasoned with grace. And I think when I read this, the key question here is um, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So meaning what? That there is a way in which we ought to answer someone. There's a right way in which we ought to answer someone. But the bigger question is, okay, how do we answer someone? This is the difficult question. This is where we need the grace of God, we need the wisdom of God to know how to answer each one because we can't answer everyone the exact same way. Maybe answering someone, and these are just suggestions, but I pray that the wisdom of God will be in you and me uh, first um, <clears throat> to, to be able to answer those who um, uh, are before us. So maybe how we ought to answer, number one is that we might impart grace to the hearer. Is what my speech is going to impart? Some kind of grace to them. Will they see God's presence in me? Will they see His forgiveness? Will they see His patience? Number two is, is my speech going to bring peace? Sometimes when in a family, when we kind of bicker with each other and fight with each other, there's not this idea of peace. This idea is who is right and who is wrong. Who's to blame and who's not to blame. But sometimes just, you know, accepting and letting things pass brings peace. Or accepting like, okay, there was a mistake made and it was my fault. Maybe I wasn't entirely at fault, but I'll take responsibility for it simply for the sake of peace. This brings peace. How we ought to answer each situation, each one. Maybe we ought to answer with the motive of reconciliation. When you find one of the youth come and say, I went and told, you know, I did something wrong, and I went and told mom and baba that I'm sorry, and it took three days for them to forgive me. So this child, when it takes three days for us to reconcile with our children, or reconcile with my wife and my or my husband, what will we think of God? What will these kids think of God? These same kids, when they grow up, they'll come to confess, and after their confession say, Abuna, I doubt that God forgave me. Why? Because they're used to, like, the forgiveness doesn't come easy. And I feel like when I go and confess, God doesn't forgive me easy. Because Mama and Baba didn't forgive me easy. Right? So maybe this, we ought to answer in a way that brings reconciliation. Maybe we ought to answer to bring them closer to Christ through my speech. And it's not simply the words, because sometimes we can say the words that are good, but maybe our demeanor is not so good. Or maybe our tone is not so good. On a lighter note, I had a professor in college that I used to work with in the lab. Ironically, his name was Dr. Goodman. He was a very good man. Um, And uh, one day, we had just gotten, we waited like a month for these cells to come. And then I was supposed to feed them. And instead of putting the media for feeding them, I put bleach. So I killed them all and then they all turned white and i went to him and i told him uh, this is what happened this is what i accidentally did and then he looked at me and he st- and he had this chuckle he's like <laughs> and i thought to myself oh <laughs> he's smiling and laughing but i know what this meant this like this is bad because we waited a month for these when we paid money for these so sometimes we can say things that seem to be good but we say it in a way in our tone and our demeanor is the opposite, right? But what is understood, of course, is our nonverbal. Just remember, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So number one, we need to let our speech be seasoned with grace. Number two is we need to be patient. Listen to what St. James says in the Catholic Epistle from today. He says, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure, Mind you, he's speaking here about the prophets. What was the job of the prophet in the Old Testament? It was to tell them the Word of God. And somebody like Jeremiah or Isaiah and so on, these were people who, although they're people of God and did maybe miracles, but the people didn't like them because they rebuked them. And they called Jeremiah like the weeping prophet. Like, so every time he would go, they would be, you know, they would get on his case and they didn't want to hear him and all of this stuff. Right? So he was not loved at the time. But then St. Paul is telling us to take these people as an example of suffering. What were they suffering for? They were suffering with the people. To be patient with them in their repentance. As an example of suffering and patience, indeed we count them blessed who endure. Now we count those prophets blessed. But at the time, they looked at them and they said, you know, uh, stop what you're doing. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. That the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. So maybe we need to be patient while the ungodly is being transformed. Sometimes we expect the people to be transformed in a moment. To be like this St. Paul, you know, incident. Where you go from being, you know, somebody who persecuted the church, somebody who made all these mistakes, to all of a sudden being a saint. But this is a very rare occasion. Mostly this takes time. Especially if it's a character issue that I'm working on. And something as I get older, I realize, you know what, I have this bad habit that I've had for 20 years. Right? To change something like this takes time. So we need to be patient with those who are, you know, perhaps living in an ungodly way or doing ungodly things as they transition into or transformed into the image of Christ. The Lord, for example, before His accusers, He was unjustly, uh, sentenced to death. And He was crucified. And he was flogged and all of these things and the Lord endured these things patiently. Certainly if the Lord would have opened his mouth in defense, he would have been justified. Because he's God. He silenced everyone before. But he kept his silence to be patiently endured. That what he's going through will one day assist in their repentance and their return to him. So, and the same with St. Stephen. St. Stephen again did the same thing as Christ. How about when our children are disrespectful? to us. Yes, this is something we shouldn't tolerate and shouldn't be the case. But there needs to be patience. Because one, they are still children. Sometimes we think that children are adults and they should know what we know. And we treat them as if they are adults, at least in our mind. And we expect them to grasp concepts and to make changes in their life just like that. And if they don't, that's it. I can be upset with them for days. We need to be patient as they are transformed into the image of Christ. We need to be patient with the husbands and wife as they are transformed into the image of Christ. Transformation takes time, patience, and a lot of hard work. Number three is that we can um, <clears throat> respond to the hostility and aggression with appealing to reason and not violence. Uh, in the uh, praxis or the Acts of reading from today, St. Paul was in Corinth And it says that he reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. So he went and he was very patient with the people. And he reasoned with them. He didn't appeal to violence. He didn't appeal to threats. I think if you just like smash the side of your phone, those would stop. (laughs) Thank you. Some people resort to violence and aggression if someone doesn't agree with them. They're very persistent. Some people resort to violence and aggression if someone does not agree with them. And the media wants to suppress at some points this free exchange of ideas. Some media platforms, they want you to believe and read only one side or one you know side of the news or one side of a story so they can kind of guide you and if you disagree with them khalas you're going to be deplatformed you're not going to get any more you know likes you're not going to be any we're not going to give you any exposure we're not going to share your content with anyone right so they want people to be in one in one way um but we can't respond to this with violence because if you think about it If we respond in violence, then no one won. If, for example, somebody comes and hates us because we're against the LGBTQ ideology, right, and they become aggressive at us, and in return we get aggressive back based on the biblical standard, right, and maybe we curse and say you're this and you're this and you're this. If you take a step back, okay, Satan, we know this is a sin, so Satan's happy with this, but on the same note, hatred and anger and wrath is also a sin, right? So if we take a step back, we think we're defending orthodoxy and defending Christianity, but in fact, Satan won because he made us angry, right and we made he made us hate them or hate someone. So Satan actually won both, but we didn't know that. we didn't pay attention. We thought we were defenders of the faith and we turned out being those who are hostile and angry, just as maybe perhaps they were, right? So nobody wins. Satan is the only one who won and he got us both. Um, Violence, whether it's verbal or physical, never resolves conflict, but it only magnifies, intensifies, and propagates more anger and wrath. There's got to be an end to the cycle. You know, if somebody responds with anger and I respond with anger, this will continue the cycle. But there's got to be one of one of you or one of us who rises above the anger and the aggression. The idea that I must beat him or her and I must have the last word, or else, takes one of us. That's why you know when the Lord said if somebody you know insults you and slaps you on the cheek, He says turn the other and offer him the other. Why? It's to break this cycle. Because you can never get to somewhere good and positive if all we're adding is negative, right? Two negatives don't e- will never equal a positive. Right? So we need to add something that is good. And perhaps the first good thing is to not respond to the evil or the aggression. Number four is to refuse to retaliate. Refuse to retaliate. There's a difference, my beloved, between reacting and responding. Reacting is something that's almost instinctual. Where if somebody slaps me, I slap them back. If somebody slanders me on social media, I slander them back. Reactionary. This is just reacting. Responding is what? Responding is focused on a goal and how I can, by my actions and speech, achieve that goal. If I've analyzed the situation, I've taken a moment to step back, analyze the situation and see, okay, what do I want from this conversation or what do I want from this person? And is being angry and aggressive the way that I get there? Or is by being patient, is by saying this word in a calm manner? This is responding. Responding. Right, so we need to refuse to retaliate. Refuse to just simply be reactionary creatures. We're greater than that. The animal kingdom, we could say, is reactionary, but we can respond. We can respond, and God gave us this mind. There was a story of David and a guy named Nabal. David, when his men were in the fields, they took care of the 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 shears of uh, of Nabal, and they protected them. But they needed some food, so they went. And David sent one of his messengers to him in Nabal and told him, please give us something to eat. We did this and we're protecting your herd and all of that in the field. And the guy turned and said, who's David? Although he was the king. He said, who's David? I don't know who David the son of Jesse is. So David in his anger, he reacted. He got his men. He said, take up your swords. Let's go and let's kill this man and we'll take what we want by force. Thankfully his wife, very wise woman, Abigail was there. She heard of this, took some gifts and went to meet David on the road. And how did she meet his anger and aggression? With humility. She dismounted from her, her horse or whatever she was riding. She bowed down to him, addressed him as my lord, gave him all the gifts, apologized for what her husband, you know, did. And she diffused the situation. She added something positive, right? She refused to, uh, you know, she, she dealt with this with wisdom. And David realized and he blessed her and he ended up marrying her and he blessed her and says, you dealt wisely. Because he, he was coming in his wrath and she was able to diffuse his wrath. Right, So he came to his senses. Lastly, we need to show them love. And when the Lord says here, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you, he's not speaking here of, of an emotional type of attachment or an emotional love. Because he explains to it right after he says, love your enemies, he tells us how we can love our enemies. He says, do good to those who hate you bless those who curse you and pay for those who spitefully use you. So he gives us three ways. So if somebody, and mind you, he's not saying, you know, the enemy here, as Christians, we should have no enemies. So the enemy is from their perspective. To us, we are their, uh, to them, we are their enemy. But from our perspective, we love them. Right? So he's not speaking here about if you have any enemies, because we should have no enemies. Right? So if somebody looks to you as an enemy and is aggressive and hostile towards you, the Lord says, we should ought to strive to love them. To rise above justice and think about grace. Unwarranted, right? Love and forgiveness. How do we love them? He says, number one, do good. So don't respond the evil for evil. But try to respond by doing good. And sometimes the doing good is simply not responding to the evil. And if somebody curses you, then they don't respond. Right? This is to do good. The second he said is to bless them. Is to bless them this is to want good for them right and the third he said is to pray for them praying is an act of love if i see somebody maybe who's taken in anger and wrath or going down the wrong way and maybe they won't hear a word that i would say to them but at least i can pray for them and you know sometimes if i know somebody doesn't like me or has something against me and i pray for them this prayer can change their heart Because the God whom we're praying to is the God of the hearts. He knows the mind and the heart and the soul of every person. And He can change them even if they're non-believers. Even if they don't even believe in God. But He can change their heart towards you. This love should be rooted in your desire uh, for everyone's salvation. So when we show them love, again, it's my desire for their salvation. Even if they hate me. Even if they don't like me. These are just a few points in which how we can um, maybe respond to those who are hostile or angry or aggressive to us with uh, that's unwarranted. Um, Of course, if there is somebody who is angry and upset with us for good reason, then as I said in the beginning, we need to ask for forgiveness and repent and reconcile with one another. May God grant us His wisdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.